Good morning. Our second scripture lesson this morning is from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 13, verses 24 to 37. This is the second half of the chapter that is commonly referred to as Mark's little apocalypse. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that the summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with their work and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or at cockcrow or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, God who is all that is, we are here. We are yours. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we thank you, O oh God, for the gift of this life, for the gift of this community, for the gift of this tumultuous time. May we know and feel your presence in all of it. May we know and feel your presence in us. May we trust that presence, O oh God. May we know that it is enough, that we are enough. And may you put into my mouth the words you would have me speak and take from my mouth those you would not. Amen. So today, as Troy mentioned, is the first Sunday of Advent. And Advent is the first, or the beginning of the liturgical year. So this is the first Sunday of the church year. And this is actually the lectionary text. Today's passage from Mark and from Isaiah are both part of the lectionary. Which means that every year, actually, certainly every three years, but I believe it's every year that we do begin with an apocalyptic text. Every three years it's marked. But each year at Advent, we start with this message of the coming of God. Advent is a time when we wait 
for the inbreaking of God into this plane of reality in a new way, in the way that he broke into this plane of reality 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus. It is a time of hopeful anticipation, of trust that God has got this, that in the midst of the turmoil and the chaos, whatever that may be, that God is in charge, that God is doing something new, that God is with us. Emmanuel, which we've sung already so many times today, which is the way Matthew refers to God again and again, literally means God with us. So Advent is a time when we both trust that God is with us and we also look for the ways in which God is making God's self present to us, often in new ways. And yet, I will say that this year, that this week, that at this time, as I was reading the scripture and preparing to preach, this Sunday, things seemed to hit a little bit closer. As I was reading and realizing Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, the same place from where he will ascend in Acts, he's delivering this message and looking out across at Jerusalem, and he talks about that time when all of the buildings will fall. And though Jerusalem is 79 miles, 79 kilometers from Gaza, I couldn't help but think about all of the buildings that we have seen fall. That had we been here 2,000 years ago in this geographic location, we wouldn't have had the capacity to see because the world, in terms of how people were interacting, was in much smaller pockets. There is something profound about bearing witness to the destruction of the scale that we have seen really recently, but especially in the last couple of months, what we are bearing witness to. And as I hear more and more wars and rumors of war and tumultuous time coming, I can't help but read this text in a new light this year. I feel like it would be inappropriate of me as a spiritual leader at this time and place to really not ask us all collectively, are these things, these signs, which we are told to look out for, to keep awake for, are these things, these things that we are currently bearing witness to? It struck me because I found myself as I was reading the beginning of this passage and it talks about a time when the sun will go dark. I actually Googled, when is the next solar eclipse? Like that is how much these, these texts are, are, are hitting on a, on a deep level for me. April 8th, by the way. And as I sit with that, I also realize that there is a bigness, that there are so many communities throughout this world who have experienced apocalypses of various scales, for whom war and destruction has been all that they have known. And so I realize that it is indeed in part my own privilege that these things are so new to me. And so then I want to sort of wonder, well, what does that really mean? What do I do with that? And I wrestle with the answer to that because again and again, my response is, well, I sit down and I wait. I wait for the presence of the Lord to be made known. And it is made known again and again. 
And yet I also, as I read this text, I want to name that. I want to name that there is this, there is this profoundness to this moment that we are collectively living through. And I want to name that we are living through it, that we are living, that we are alive, that we are here, that we are present, and that we are together, and that it is a holy and a sacred and an exciting time to be alive. Now, you may look at me and think, what on earth are you talking about? It is absolutely terrifying. I don't know what's going on most days. I don't know which way is up most days. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I'm anxious, I'm nervous, I'm stressed. And yet again and again, I would like to point out that God so often throughout history moves through chaos. When those times when we need to be disrupted, when we need to be woken up, when we need to actually see the full power of God and God's capacity to work in and through us, it often comes on the heels of chaos. It'd be lovely if it came on the heels of silence, but I think we're kind of stubborn. I think if we could hear the silence, we would hear that God is moving there too. But what do we do with that? What does it mean to keep awake? What does it mean? And this is where I love the last part of this passage. Because it talks about as if somebody who is here and they leave, and they leave all their servants in charge. They're like, I'm going to go. I'm going to be back. Just do your thing. Live fully into who you are. I'm going to be back, and that's what you're supposed to be doing when I get back. Just live fully into who you are. Now, friends, I know it sounds overly reductive to say that the way in which we are called to keep awake, to bear witness to the presence of God in and among and through all of this is to just be ourselves. But I am telling you that the invitation here is to literally just be yourself. But that's too simple. How can just be myself do anything against the bigness of the world? Well, let's start by seeing what happens if we just try to be ourselves on a local level and then see what kind of transformation happens within the world and throughout the world. Because the whole point of being a human is to just be a human. It is just here to live and to experience the abundance of what it is to be human. Now, Presbyterians in our Book of Order will say that the purpose is to glorify God and to live fully into that glorifying of the Lord. I don't have it the great ends of humanity, but somebody can name it the great ends of man. But here's the thing, is that when you are fully yourself, you cannot help but recognize the abundance which holds you. And that may seem strange, but think about how often throughout your life you're told not to be yourself. You're told to conform. You're told to sit down. You're told to be quiet. You're told to stay. You're told to do whatever it is that's your job that somebody else has decided that is your job. But how often when you've actually learned to claim that part of you, to claim that beauty within yourself, do you start to actually fall in love with yourself a little bit more? And so I find then when I am able to love myself, it is so much easier to love my neighbor. And here's the thing, friends, is that the ways that we learn to love God are through love of self, love of neighbor, and love of God. It is very difficult, I would say impossible, to love God fully in the way that we are invited to love God fully if we do not love ourselves. 
And I'm going to say it is impossible to love our neighbor if we do not love ourselves. So it really does come down to the simple process of sitting down, introducing yourself to yourself. And many of you have been doing this all your life anyway. You're like, I know I just had to do this. This is what I need to do in my life. It didn't make sense in this context, but I did it anyway. Or maybe like I was always nurtured and told who I am, and that actually did align with me. That may work for some folks too. So often it's more through conflict or challenge, because that's just how we are as humans. In this time of radical transformation, of radical transformation, the things that I would say as we are so often scared and uncertain, and we need something practical that we can do to keep us anchored, I would offer two things. The first one you know, because I keep saying it always, is be still. Cultivate a practice of stillness. And the second is share meals together. Share meals together. Sit down and break bread with the intention of knowing one another. Because here's what I found, is that if I sit down and am present, and I trust that process with the intention of knowing and loving myself more, then that gradually starts to happen. I got to fight through all the things that make me uncomfortable in the process. So I then start to love myself more. And in a similar way, I have found that if I sit down with someone else with the intention of seeing them, of breaking bread, and often it's easier if we break bread, then I have found that I cannot leave that conversation without loving part of that person. It doesn't mean I need to like them. It doesn't mean we need to agree. Though often I find that I do end up liking them. And we can find a lot more areas to agree than maybe we would have anticipated beforehand. So what I'm saying is that when I sit down and break bread with a neighbor, then I learn to love neighbor. As a friend of mine in seminary used to say, you're going to know who's hungry if you're sharing a meal with them. And I think that applies on many levels, emotionally hungry, spiritually hungry, physically hungry, because there are a whole lot of different kinds of hunger. It is as simple as sitting down, being present with yourself and your neighbor. And you can say, no, that's not going to work, but maybe let's give it a chance. Let's maybe give it a chance. I'd just like to close, actually, with an invitation. As many of you know, I am not only serving as the interim pastor here, but I also have started a new worshiping community here in Richmond called Every Table. And throughout Advent at Every Table, we are actually inviting people to meditate with us. So we are going to meditate at 6 a.m. every day, not Sundays, um, on Instagram Live and on Zoom. So there will be a way to join, which means you can roll out of bed at 5.50. And we decided that's the perfect time because it's just a little bit earlier than people usually get up. But it's also like not so early that it's like, oh, no. Because you literally just roll out of bed and we're going to be on Zoom and Instagram Live so we can meet people where they are. There will be recordings later. We're also still getting this figured out. Yes, I know it starts tomorrow, but that's, we kind of move on WPC time, I think, at every table as well. So if you're interested in joining us, you can send me an email um, and, um, and I can add you to the information and get you a Zoom link. But we are trusting that in this time of so much external turmoil, 
we are trusting in the power that comes from claiming the peace within. And we are also trusting the power that comes with doing that communally. We truly believe in our power and our capacity to transform this world. And we are inviting other people to join us in that process. So if you're interested, send me an email. My email is just revjesscook at gmail.com. And I'll send you information. But I truly believe it. I truly believe that God is doing something new and God is doing something exciting. And I will say again and again that I believe that this is a profoundly exciting time to be a human. But we got to get through the mess. I will say we get to get through the mess. Amen.